I don't know who Saru thinks he's kidding here, but he's he's clearly punishing his senior officers by giving everyone else on the ship the day off and making middle management <laughs> come to dinner with him at a dinner party that he's arranged. Very Michael Scott moment from Saru, I think, right mm. there, where that's uh, that's an office moment in the in the in the waiting, a David Brent Michael Scott moment. Saru throwing a good party though, I suppose, even though. Which is better, to have the day off or to have to go to your boss's dinner? What say you? Well, I'm assuming everybody who had the day off hasn't eaten in three weeks, so I would probably go with the crew who gets to have the dinner. Is this the platform um, episode of Star Trek yes, Discovery? Yeah. Where Saru's hey, just got enough eggs for six people? I'm down. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching uh, watching Tilly murder and eat <laughs> Culber or something. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Forget Me Not, which is the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. We're going to take a break, play a clip. We'll come back and we will break it down. You want to fly this monster? Actually be responsible for every single person every single day or do you just want to be the when he feels like it's superhero and have everybody kiss your ass? The reality is I'm the only one who can make the jumps. I flew us into the future. I landed this ship. I landed Discovery. Yes, and we barely survived. Oh my God, stop it. You guys are both acting like complete assholes. Ensign Why don't we all just take a breath? You guys think you have the market cornered on pain? All right, so Forget Me Not is the fourth episode of the third season of Star Trek Discovery. It came out on the 5th of November, 2020, a memorable date in American history. And uh, in this one, not this one, this is written by Alan McElroy, Chris Silvestri, and Anthony Moranville, host, uh, directed, hosted by, directed by Hanel M. Culpepper, in-universe date is 3189. <laughs> in this episode, Burnham and Adira visit the Trill homeworld while Saru's efforts on the discovery to help the crew reconnect yield surprises. I need you to carry this podcast episode, Clay. Um mm-hmm. I don't I don't I really don't know where to start with these things at this point. Like this is this is also coming at a very strange time where um the election's going on. I'm like I'm like never been less interested in discovery <laughs> than the, mm-hmm. the timing of this one. So you've got like mm-hmm. election news going on, just like a general like busyness of life. And it's like I, I really I really had to work to sit down and watch this one. And I, I feel I didn't give my all with attention while it was going mm-hmm. on either. Um but the thing I liked about it is I, I semi like the structure. I hate the execution of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that this one was structured well. I like this B plot of a Saru dinner with the crew. I thought everything that happened in the dinner was like fucking embarrassing for the show that it was like just basically horrible writing um, that is just continues everything that I dislike about discovery, but I like the idea of Saru doing it. Mm-hmm. And then the trill stuff was the same. I, I like the idea, but I hate the execution of what they've done here, which is, this is typical discovery. The Trill plot should have been a season-long story where the death right. of Grey doesn't <clears throat> happen until I know who the fuck Grey is, and then right. I can care when this person dies and passes on their memories to somebody else. But anyway, you, you, can, you I think I'll need you to guide me because it's I'm, I'm fairly irrational towards it at this point. Yeah, I, I kind of went both ways with it as well i i really i think overall as an episode of discovery i liked it quite a bit um but i think it's a similar thing where i like the idea more than i like some of the execution um i i my favorite part of the season still continues to be saru 
feeling his way through becoming a captain. I think that stuff is legitimately interesting and fun. Um, the scene where he's talking to the computer about like basically like Googling what to do when your crew is, has PTSD and then the computer walking him through it is, is nice. Um, and sets him up for a semi successful semi failure of a, of a, of a dinner party. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I will give this one a mulligan as far as the emotional stuff goes, because I feel like this is the first one where it felt appropriate for everybody to be kind of emotionally broken because this is sort of like this dinner party is supposed to be the thing where, oh, everybody's all stressed out and they're all kind of keeping it to themselves. So let's bring them to the party and see if we can, you know, get them to loosen up a little bit. And that's when all the emotional stuff comes out. And that's when you have to start people yelling at each other and blah, 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 blah. I, so I didn't have a problem with that there. Um, it, like it always does, they lay it on a bit too thick. Um, I don't understand. As far as the Trill stuff goes, again, I like the Trill stuff in theory, but yeah, that story that they tell is just like a good 15 minutes of the episode. And I guess I it's such a toss-up for me because it's like they're introducing this idea that this uh, former lover of Adira's is now going to be present in like ghost form. So if you we talked about this actually, we talked about this in a DS9 episode. I don't know if you remember it. We talked about it in Field of Fire, I think, where um, I think DS9 does that where Dax starts having visions of the past hosts in her life. And we were saying it would be kind of neat if they were just physical manifestations that only the current host could see. And they were sort Mm -hmm. of like the devil and the angel or like a choir of angels that they could provide uh, things or advice Mm -hmm. to while the main character and everyone else on the show never sees this person. It's just supposed to be a representation of to be a trill is to sort of have this past memory of hosts that live with you and give you advice and things like that. It's more of like a metaphorical way to look at it. They've actually kind of done it, although the implication here is that something is wrong because Adira says, why are you here like this? So Mm. I'm not crazy about that. I would prefer the host to just be represented this way, but that that was, sorry to interrupt, but I I was surprised that they did it and I was happy that they did because I think it's a good way to pursue the trill as a species and to show them on TV or uh, film like this. Yeah. But yeah, having, having, uh, gray, is that the character's name? I think gray, having gray show up as a ghost is obviously going to be a plot point moving forward. So you have to establish who gray is unless you're going to go with the idea that, Oh, if you cut the story down or, or trim it or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, who is Gray? I guess that, that becomes a mystery of who this ghost person is, but that's not really interesting. So, you, yeah, it's for the choice that they're making as far as I, – I think it. I think the story that they're telling is okay. It's just they just laid it on really thick in this one. Where right, it, depends just, where, it depends where the Trill story goes. If, yeah. if what happens with this Gray and the Deer thing is interesting, I'll be like, okay, I understand why I did it. I'm hedging my bets against Discovery doing that. So the the mm. thing is that Discovery is probably not going to flesh this out in some way. It would be the first time they've ever fleshed out a concept that they've encountered. So it would be this <laughs> this troll thing. So mm-hmm. what you're left with instead is something that's, you know, it's the same flaw the show always has. It's an emotion that came out of 
let's skip why people feel this way. Let's just mm-hmm. get to the point where it's going to be very sad if your lover dies and you take right. on their memories. And we go, okay. So we get eight minutes of gray screen time, dies in a meteor strike or something. And then the, the trill gets passed on, the symbiont gets passed on to Adira. And mm-hmm. all I could do while thinking of this is like, imagine if you knew these two the entire season. Towards the end of the season or a run of episodes, the character dies and it's heartbreaking to Adira. Adira takes on the Trill symbiont and it's, as they say in Discovery, it is a fatal thing to do, which is what, what TNG also establishes, that the humans, when they take on the symbionts, it kills them over the course of time. Mm-hmm. So it's temporary, but it's, it's something that can be done uh, if need be. At that point, you there's like a poeticism about this character has you know, a couple years left to live with Grey again. It will kill her, but it's it's an ability to, like, prolong their time together a little bit. Sure. And she's willing to die to experience that. But they wipe it all away at the end of this. And the, the trill is, Adir is just now acceptable. Like, the trill is just right. like, well, we made yeah. a mistake. I guess humans can't be hosts. And it's just, none of it makes any sense. And none of it's like, none of it deserves the level of emotion that all mm. the scenes are giving to you. And I find it really... I find it just obnoxious. Yeah. They have a problem on this show, and I've noticed it on other shows too, where they they create characters that have um for these for these multi episode shows, they create characters who have character traits that are interesting, but then they just spend one episode talking about them and then they like never come up again. Mm-hmm. Kind of like so far we're four episodes in and no one has mentioned that Burnham spent any time with the Vulcans whatsoever. Right. And I don't expect it ever to come up again. Culber sends her because he's like, you're good with emotion. Being- yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, they told they told that story. They, I mean, if you want to throw Saru into that mix, I think Saru is the most successful because he's you're, you're watching his uh, uh, progression. Yeah. He's learning something. A little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing there where it's like he had this character trait. They told the story regarding the character trait. Now that character trait is gone. Right. His fear um, tentacles fell off and now he's just a normal person who's trying yeah. to learn. He's trying to learn or his even, job on, uh, the, on the fly. Robot girl there uh, who died last season. She's Arium. in it for. Yeah. Arium. Yeah. They do one one story about her and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. She's that's kind of cool. It's gone over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's I, I think it's interesting that they keep kind of like fixing everybody so quickly. At least Detmer hasn't been fixed yet. She's still kind of messed up. So I think what's kind of interesting about what Discovery's done here and why it feels so strange is that this episode felt very much like a Star Trek episode where everything happens over the course of an hour. It's a relatively small story. You get a glimpse into a character and they tell a small yarn about that character and then you walk away with a lesson learned or something at the end of it, or you have a greater insight into what these characters are. The problem is that Discovery and Star Trek at this point are more serialized than that. Mm -hmm. And what they tend to do is have almost episodic character stories that are very constrained and very short-lived, and then they move on to something else. And the problem is it doesn't feel like it fits in the context of a serialized story where this is all building towards something. It feels like they're just abandoning plot lines left and right. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that I think that they're terrible at telling 
episodic standalone stories. So you walk away mm. thinking, well, they're going to come back to this, right? Like this has to be something that they're going to revisit or this is going to be something, but yeah. they never come back to it. So they're they're kind of combining the worst aspects of, not those two approaches, but they're, com- they're combining the wrong stylistic choices about those two choices into a new show. And I never feel like it works. Outside of weird mm. one-offs like um, uh, Magic to Make the Ma- Sanest Man Go Mad, which is clearly an episodic standalone episode and it works in that regard, this doesn't. It just feels like a weak serialized story where nothing ever is going to pan out for you because it's not totally important and it's not what they're trying to do is connect all the dots down the line yeah yeah and i think um speaking about the uh, adira story in general i was saying that they just lean into it so hard when they did that first little flashback where um gray was on the table getting the symbiote and adira's holding his hand and she kind of runs through everything. She's like, yeah, we were in love. Uh, he was so happy to get this symbiote. In my head, I'm like, just do it now. Blow the ship up now. And they have to do an emergency symbiotectomy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, you got, you told me everything that I really needed to know about that, about that relationship. It just feels like it's a lot when you're taking a character and running them through this emotional gamut that is you've created specifically to begin and end in this one episode. So right. like, cause like imagine, imagine if uh, you get, you get a bit about, about the, about gray and then she goes through her thing and she gets her, her uh, previous hosts back, but it's not complete. There's some who are missing and one of them is gray. So now she's trying to deal with being a trill, but she's also trying to, grasp on to to find gray because so you let this relationship build so when gray comes back it doesn't just feel like someone just dumped a a, a jar of molasses on everything yeah uh, because you've got some character build to why this person is important and i don't know it just it's it's a lot of they do a lot of side story type stuff on this show where it's they will just I, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe they do this stuff on all, the other shows as well. And I don't remember, but it doesn't feel like they do it as much. Where it's like, okay, we're just gonna do this other story for a while that that feels like it's kind of backstory material, but we're gonna throw it in to fill some time. The yeah. one thing I can't figure out is like the other. Th- it, it it also killed me. <laughs> Why does Burnham have to be in there with her? Like it was, it was one of those things where I'm like watching this going like, first of all, why don't the other just trill got, jump into the pool? They know what's going on. Yeah, the guys yeah. like you go they in. They just and- got, <laughs> they just got done saying no human has ever done this before yeah. and ever gone in these waters. And then they all grab a bunch of pool skimmers and they go, eh, you know what, Michael, you're fine. <laughs> just jump in, see what you can do. Yeah. And I'm thinking like this, this story, this feels like it should be Adira working through this herself. Like she doesn't need Michael there as a emotional support person, yep. and also the thing that killed me too is you know the, you, you talk about them leaning into the emotional stuff, for, uh, um, and forgetting about the other story stuff, and it's like the end of this. The reason they go there is so they can uh, talk to the hell's Tal. his name, Tall Senatal, I think is Senatal, yeah. 
Um, that sounds like a drug. <laughs> uh, they, they took, talk to, so they want to talk to Senatal, right? Yeah. And so they go through this whole process. Adira gets her memories back. Senatal literally just walks out and is like, hey, welcome to the circle. And then yep. Burnham goes, your message gave us hope. And I'm like, yeah. ask him. He's right there. <laughs> ask him what you came to ask. It's like that thing where you go... Where you, where you where they have a character show up and like the genie says you you or the master says you can ask me one question they're like only one and they're like yep that was it yeah right, you're out right, right and it's it's like I don't I don't need and then the the information that she gets from Senatal happens off screen yeah so it's I don't know it's I, like well idea shows her on a on a sure yeah pi, on a Palm Pilot thing and she goes here so we, we know it's got to be something strange but it's it's not yeah. stated but where still they're going. But still, it's one of those things where it's like, if I was Burnham in that situation, not understanding how stable or unstable any of this was, and this guy was right in front of me, I would have been like, hey, while you're here, um, could you help me out find, and help me find the Federation? Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I do think it's just, it, it's an inability to really focus on a single episode story and whether or not it's supposed to stretch out into something. Um, I just feel that this story would be better stretched out over a season of getting mm. to know the trail. To characters. be fair, I agree. But also, I know I, uh, sorry, I guess what I'm going to say is not in line with what you're saying, but if the ghost thing continues, is this the second time that they've done in three seasons, they've done uh ghost of, dead lover shows up intermittently to help to guide you through your life isn't that what they did with culver they, they did it with pike too didn't they they showed him he, had, he was dreaming about the blonde from the the Telosian planet wasn't he oh sure sure but like it, it was a that, that was only a few few pop-ups it wasn't yes. like after culver died it was like a season-long thing where he kept showing up right in ghost form i think Am so i, I, I misremembering that i honestly i honestly even sometimes forget that culber died um uh, like and i know yeah, that's the focus yeah. of this <laughs> of this episode and stuff i wouldn't disagree with you they do they do they do tend to stick with like haunting visions of people and uh, it happened be, with tilly right and the tilly have a yeah, friend the alien, the alien friend yeah yeah who's the spore yeah. who's the mycelial spore that is reincarnated as a, a person i think yeah um, I'll probably have more to say about the the trill stuff. I guess these trill characters are confirmed for season four, so the story is supposed to be continuing on through there. Um, so maybe they will adjust this. I just find it typical of the show that I have a hard time buying into your setup because there is not enough setup for this to mm-hmm. happen. It's just here's a character who felt something sad and now she's sad and this is the backstory. This is the five minute of explanation as to why she feels sad. Um, what do you think of the, the trill portrayal? I, um, I thought it was interesting and this is, this is more just in the context of greater Star Trek and maybe isn't a problem in and of discovery or this episode itself. To me, these trill felt like an interesting combination of Bajoran trill. Like they, mm. they, the way that it's, it's continuing with discoveries, uh, faithifying of everything. Yeah. The, the trill are now almost explicitly religious about what they're doing. And that was never the case in DS9 or anything. They had their ceremonies and stuff like that, but they, none of the trill were walking around going, 
like it's a disgrace for a trill to be in like in, well yes to be fair though thousand years in the future that's that's uh, the, that's most, the caveat that could have changed yeah, things most but, of their people have been destroyed or whatever so it's just a very small number who are kind of insular in their beliefs now so i i i don't find it i don't find it to be that big a deal however yeah it's just another thing on this show where it's like it's a faith ba- it's more it's a religion basically it's not but it's not interested in the how did they get there aspect it's it's not interested mm. in the trill um examining why this change would happen to trill so if you're coming into the series in and of itself this is just a, another faith-based group that's walking around with these sort of the trill symbiotes or whatever and having a very strange and also not even deeply like conservative about it where they to throw Michael into the pool and they're like, yeah, whatever, like, you know, this will all. And then when she comes out yeah, of the pool, they they're were... like, well, we're just wrong. I guess everything's fine. So fuck us. Like, what do we know? They were going to murder Adira. Yeah. Like 15 minutes ago, just for existing. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're like, yeah, jump into the sacred pools of our Disney avatar ride. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Uh, and you seem like a good person. Yeah. Seem... <laughs> It's just, sure the millennia of trill beliefs don't apply to you. My 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 problem with this is that the, it just continues. It's less interesting to me if they don't have a kind of reason for the things that they believe. They just right. believe stuff. And it's like, yeah. well, how about you explain to me over the course of events, the trill took on even more special meaning to us. We've started, mm-hmm. the trill have started to react. Like th- there's no... um. There's no sidekick character this season who's a guide to the 32nd century who can be like, hey, yeah, you know, since like the past well, 500 years, a Trill character or whatever. There is, but he wasn't in this episode. I mean, that's ostensibly what book is. Oh, book. Or, right. or could be. He doesn't, say, yeah, he doesn't even say anything. He just drops like random bits right. of nonsense on them. I don't Talk think about he's going to know the ins and outs of the Trill religion or at all. <laughs> he no, I mean, he doesn't like know what happened to the burn, really. Like, it's this right. whole... Th- it's it goes against discovery storytelling, which is everything has to be a surprise to the characters. Everything has to be mm-hmm. a mystery, and then when you reveal it, uh, we can talk about the the dinner scene. Um, I think why, I think why I personally have a hard time with this show is twofold. Um, I hate the characters on it. Like I really <laughs> think this is a weak cast of characters. And mm-hmm. the reason that I don't like the characters is because this is an entire show of emotionally fragile people. They are yeah. just fragile. Like Detmer, Detmer is freak out. She's like, "You try flying the ship. You try." It's like, what the fuck are you people talking about? Like, you're you're. It just flies well, in I the can, face I don't of. Know. Why? Why is I, that? It's just so stupid, and they're all so weak about what they're scared of. Like, and what is Stamets even pissy about in this episode? That Saru doesn't want him going through the spore drive anymore. I yeah, I guess I I don't know. I I have less of a problem with Detmer um, because I do, you know, I I think the PTSD angle is interesting, and you know, she's the she is the pilot and X Y and Z. Is so there I, nothing I else going on? Is there no control aspect to this it's just she bumped her head and has ptsd i mean i i'll be interested to see if 
anything that they that they argued about or any of these stress level plot lines exist after this episode because this could have been it for that you know mm-hmm. now that they've kind of apologized to each other and kind of hugged it out and uh watery eyed it out um it just might be back to normal until they find something else to get emotional about next week yeah I don't know. you you don't find i i find them I find them to be weak to the point of unrelatability, and they're all mm-hmm. that way. They're all fragile. They all that's crack. the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Is they are all everybody, every character on the on on the Discovery ship, except for George Ow and Saru I reacts say. and Saru. But well, Saru he doesn't get as emotional. But every every single character on the show ends up doing the. Uh, Jack Nicholson, you make me want to be a better man speech from yes, as good as yeah. it gets every episode. Yeah. And it gets tiring. It's Everybody does it the same way. Culber seems to be a little bit removed from it, which I, I appreciated him in this episode quite a bit because he wasn't really dabbling in that stuff. He seemed like he w- did have his head on straight a little better than everybody else. Um, but yeah, it's only so many times in a row you can keep going back to this well, which is why I thought if this episode, the way that they played these characters was unique where it's like this is where all of these things they were dealing with have come to a head and all of this stuff comes out then i think it works a lot better but they've all been kind of on the same level of constantly on the verge of tears for three episodes um so it's what, is, it's what are they really upset really, about i just i, I don't even yeah, feel they've spent into enough, the future big i don't feel they've spent enough time in the future to even they haven't had anything happen where they're like god damn i miss home they went to earth and it was perfect nothing there's right. nothing yeah. no, wrong that with that them. doesn't track obviously well but i think culber covers it i think they do a good job in that opening log uh <laughs> that just sounded really funny to me <laughs> every every morning i do a good job in my opening log sorry can't start a day um, off without a good log. Yeah. Uh, but but they do a good job in the opening log kind of mirroring the same kind of thing they do in Star Trek Beyond, where they kind of give you a rundown of where everybody is emotionally and mentally and stuff. Um, so they, I think that worked pretty well to set up what they're going through as far as like, you know, it's a thousand years in the future. They've outlived everything. There's nothing for them to look forward to because everything they know is gone. Um, that stuff is, I, I think they, they voiced it pretty well. I disagree because mm. all that they know is each other and they're all still together. So that, like, there's not like in the context of this TV show, sure. I, I guess in some fantastical version of this, they're thinking about their parents who died 900 years ago or whatever. But in the context of the TV show, all these characters know all they know is each other, mm-hmm. and none of them are gone. None of them have had any change. Burnham was gone for nine months, and she's back now, and, not, and mm-hmm. everything is fine. And the Federation still exists. They're going to find it, and they're going to do things. Earth has never looked better. Earth is fine. They are mildly stressed because they've had three days of being in the future and not knowing what's going on. And they're acting as if they've gone through fucking Vietnam together. And it's like mm-hmm. nothing bad has happened to any of you. Nothing bad has happened. Half the crew chose to stay back. You went through. 
this is your job. This is apparently what the foundation of the show is supposed to be, is that this is kind of your job and you're supposed to be better than this. And you're supposed to be like five years before Kirk was going to voice all these opinions. And now you're in the future and you're crying all the time about everything. And Detmer is like, you try flying the ship next time. It's like, God, what the hell are people talking about? This is just absurd. It's not even... It's not even drama born of the events of the episodes. It's not stuff you mm-hmm. see. It's just supposed to be petty, bickering bullshit with each other. And none of the characters are going to grow on you if that's the way that they're just talking to each other about this. I have no idea what Stamets's problem is in this episode. I have no idea mm. why he's so grumpy and pissy outside of that's just the way the character is in Anthony Rapp seems incapable of playing him in any other way than that. And it's really annoying. It's really stupid. Well, I th- yeah, I think I think the for this episode specifically, the idea is everybody's really on edge and dealing with stuff and that's it. And it's like your mileage is going to vary as far as whether or not that that's enough. Cuz yeah, I I don't I don't think they really do uh, the, outside of that opening opening log and scan sequence there's not a ton that they really do that gets into any of that stuff. Um, but I, 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 I disagree a bit that I, I'm willing to believe like I can, I I'm willing to believe that the jumping into the future thing and everything that they've dealt with and the trying to deal with the realization that everybody is in their life outside of the ship is gone. That's going to take, that's going to take a mental and emotional toll on you. Absolutely. Um, but again, I, I don't disagree that all of that stuff is very off screen and you're not really seeing it manifest itself so much because you're three seasons into a show where everybody's remained largely unchanged for the most part. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. Honestly, the, um, there's some comments on the discord. People were able to start to, I feel like they are either forgetting about or just managing to look past the um, emotionality of everything. Um, I, I, I feel that the reason why the show gets tiresome to review is that it's constantly the same every single time. It's, it's yeah, not it's like... the same it's, energy it, every episode, it's, yeah. It's same energy, it's the same stuff. And I'm, start, I, like, I'm starting to fade into it and I was watching it last night and my wife was just kind of walking in and out and I'm watching him just like, this is standard discovery. And she comes in and she mocked the way Burnham said, Burnham said something. And she came in and, she, and Amy just mocked it going like, and we have to get back to the ship. You know, with this, with she put, she put the emphasis on the emotion that at that point had kind of faded from me and mm. her highlighting it pointed out to me. It's like, why is Burnham talking that way constantly? Why, why is that always, why is the music always swelling? All the time, all the time. There's there's no downside to mm. it, and I'm I'm still uh, the point I made last week about this being like a new generation's Star Trek is it's really the only way I can see the show at this point. I just see so much. It reminds me of Twitter. It's just soft people bitching endlessly about things, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, like no no one. Nothing is anyone's fault ever. It's always just some stupid fucking misunderstanding or something like that. Like there's never any, there's never any 
co- there's never conflict. It's just people yeah. whining about stuff. And it's like, that's, that's what I feel that it is. And the only people who disagree with me are Zoomers. <laughs> so <laughs> I imagine that I'm onto something with this. It just well, gets, I think, gets really old. I, I, I think it, it goes to the, um, the core of ultimately not having characters who are well established in their personalities. Uh, three and, and what personalities and point of views and the actions that they take uh, that are backed up by them. Because if you think of like, I, I, we've done this a million times, but if you think if you think of if you think of Deep Space Nine, go through the cast. You can you can uh, create a situation. create a situation and then pick three characters from that cast and put them in there. And then you can very easily extrapolate that out into how they would react to that situation because of the characters that they are and and the, uh, the way that they've been written and created and the, the way that they've grown and, and uh, the precedent that they've set for themselves based on the, how many seasons you're into on this one. I think part of the reason that they're constantly just bickering and being emotional is because nobody has that a level of character. If you picked a situation and picked any three random characters off of this ship and to, and, I, and I said, okay, how do each one of these react to the situation and how do those reactions conf, uh, create conflict among among them? I don't think you can do it because I don't know what they would do. Like if you pick, said, okay, you've got Tilly – Detmer and uh, Saru in a situation, or even Stamets. Like Till- Stamets Tilly, is, Stamets is the worst. Yeah, Tilly, yeah. Det- Detmer, and Stamets. I don't know. They're just going to snipe at each other. That's the yeah. only thing I know. What that they do, I don't really know who Tilly is as a character so much because she doesn't really get any latitude to do anything really, except get into emotional arguments with people. And it's the same with everybody else. Tilly's actually degraded. I think. <laughs> In my mind, I think Tilly, so too. I I don't like her as much as I did last season. She was she's kind of on the way down for for some reason. Yeah, I mean, she was well. She she used to have a she used to have, she's always had that nervous energy thing going mm-hmm. right. But before it used to be semi channeled in a positive way. Like she was a damaged person who was trying to be overly positive to get around that kind of stuff mm-hmm. with her mother. She had the issues with her mother, and she has issues with her self confidence. But she was she was sort of a chatterbox because she was trying to overcompensate for herself here. She just weepily chatters about being sad all the, time, all the time. And it doesn't have this, at least a little bit of nuance as to why the character is acting that way. It's just her mm-hmm. being sad, but in a Tilly type of way, Stamets, I'd agree with you. Stamets has no point of view about anything, which is why his point about why he's angry in this episode doesn't land with me because I have no idea what the mm-hmm. fuck he's upset about. Culber, Semi has a point of view. Georgiou mm-hmm. has a point of view, but I have no idea how it fits in this universe and how it's supposed to be applicable yeah. to any of the stories that they're telling. And I don't. The th- I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Well, you might be able to make the case that you could that you could do it with Georgiou, but even she is essentially reduced to a background character who just is snarky at people. Yeah, that's all. Continues she's really to not done. fit. Well, and, and interestingly, even though she's like the other characters, it still seems comically strange when they cut to her at a dinner scene and she says something. And it's like, why is know, she everyone, there? <laughs> why is she there? <laughs> like, 
whether or not Culver they invite- makes a Culver makes a joke. He's like, "Hey, evil fascist empress of the mirror universe, welcome yeah. to dinner." It's strange. Like, yeah. where's where's the scene where Saru goes and invites George out to dinner, and she's like, "No, go fuck yourself." You know, like <laughs> I feel like like there's no like imagine imagine this was Enterprise even right, and they're having a scene like this. And you get a scene where Archer talks to T'Pol and T'Pol is like, I don't know. I don't really think this is the right thing to do. So I'm just going to, I don't want to fraternize with these people. You know, yeah. like there's, there's a point of view there where, whereas George Ao, you could go one way where Saru extends the olive branch and George Ao is reluctant about it and ultimately says, you know, tries to keep her, keep her back up. And it's like, no, I'm, I have better things to do with my time. Or they actively don't invite her, and she feels like she tries to bre- – like there's character <laughs> stuff you can do there, but they chose choose not to do it. Yeah. And it's – you know, it's – it's. Uh, I think Culber is probably – even there, I, I, he's probably the most level-headed, and he tends not to uh, – <laughs> his, his sniping is usually um, in response to other people being bitchy. He himself is very rarely that way. Yeah. He's usually he's the very one earnest. who's like, yeah, yeah. He's usually the one who's like, stop being such an asshole. Yeah, which I appreciate. But um, I, yeah, I and I, I, I understand his story here of trying to get people to reconcile. Yeah. Like I feel that that yeah. makes sense as a Colbert trait, and I understand why you would want to tell that story and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just that the the execution where I would be more forgiving of this if it was a. If the stress was getting to them, but it wasn't resulting in them completely collapsing under the weight of it. Like if it was just a it's good to get back to it's good to get the crew together and blow off some steam, I can deal with the Stamets and Tilly having a stupid argument thing about something mm-hmm. because people are stressed and they're trying to do it. But when it comes to it and the, the climax of the dinner is is her saying, you try flying the ship, and Stamets saying, I jump everybody through the sport network and no one says thanks to me. And then and then Don Draper comes, that's what the money is for. Like there's no <laughs> there's no there's no point where I feel that the release valve has been appropriately emptied and this crew can now adjust to go back to being a crew that's working together and this dinner that Saru has thrown has taught him what it means to be middle management and it's taught them to embrace each other in times of stress it's just it has to go to 11 and once it goes past 6.5 i no longer find it believable that they feel this way yeah yeah and you know i think uh there's other it's i i find it amazing that they've given burnham three different character things over three seasons i guess if i guess three mainly two but She's the yeah, I would say three. She was the she's the stepdaughter or the adopted daughter of a Vulcan family who grew up on Vulcan. Uh she was a Starfleet commander who was busted down to private or whatever or put in jail because she accidentally started a war. Yep. She's Con she Air. She's, way, she's Nick Cage yeah. and Con Air for a little bit. She has to work her way back into the good graces of the Federation. Uh last season I honestly don't remember what she did. I'm sure I think they gave her some other character thing. Red Angel. Travel. Yeah, sure. And this one, she's now um, been living in the future for a year and supposedly has become this whole other person. And none of it matters. Like they, they, they bring. How do you think she's different? How do, how do you think the show thinks that she's different at this point? 
Uh, she shoots people she faster, shoots people. I guess. Yeah, faster yeah. is the key word there, though. It doesn't feel like it's not a Burnham thing to do that. Although, to though. be fair, to be fair, when she showed up in the future, she immediately murdered like 25 people. Mm-hmm. This time she used the stun <laughs> setting. So maybe it's the Starfleet getting back into her. It's like, oh, maybe I don't need to kill these people. But my point is, like, if you're setting up this, if Culber comes to Burnham and he's like, hey, uh, you've gone through a lot. She's going through a lot. Maybe you should be the one to to take her down there. And, and Burnham's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the best person suited to do this. And then you go down there, and she just acts like Burnham. There's no difference, except she shoots people faster than she used to. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no push or pull with her character in a situation. She just reacts the same way she always reacts. Yeah. So ultimately, all of these character things, and I think that's why she's got like 15 of them, is because all of these character things ultimately are just trappings that don't affect what she does. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's just you know, Malibu Stacy, but she's got a new hat. And I don't mean that to be in, in, in like a pejorative way. It's just an, an example. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's like a, any action figure where it's like, oh, this time the action figure comes with a jetpack. Yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't really change anything. Now you got an extra toy that you can put in the bin, and you you like the figure, but you never use the jetpack because it takes too long to set up. <laughs> yeah, she um, she does always go down the same path. I I think the show thinks that she's more violent and more prone to quick draw stuff here, but it doesn't. To me, it doesn't feel that significantly different from what Burnham used to be. Like the whole start of the first season was that she was a quick draw and she went on the Klingon ship and shot Takuma mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that's or that she even before that, she the Vulcan hello concept that she was willing to do a pathway that is unconventional uh, in order to get something done and it triggered something in that first episode and then it it does the same here. Um, and also. Like, if you're going to send her down there on this mission with Adira and end up dunking her into the uh, sacred waters of Lake Minnetonka, whatever they got going over there. Yep. um, Milk bath. That should, yeah, that should, uh, it reminded me of the precogs from. um, Yes, it's very much like uh, Minority Minority Report. Report. Yeah. I feel like putting Burnham in there needs to mean something to Burnham. Or it needs to have a character element or a character story for Burnham, and it doesn't. All she is there to do is basically say, work harder. Concentrate harder. Open the you box. Know, it's, What's in the open box? The bo- What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> stay, stay in California, stay away now. John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> Gray's hair was so lovely, wasn't it, Adira? <laughs> Agreed. You know, it's like, why even put it? Like, what's the point? Like, is it a De- if it's a Deer's story, then Burnham doesn't need to be in there. Right, doesn't need to shit. be there. Yeah. And if it's if Burnham is part of the story, then there has to be some sort of character change where it's like, you know, either her approach when they get there ultimately becomes altered by what she goes through when she's in the uh, milk bath thing yep. or something like that. And it's just ultimately she's just there as a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I don't know why she's there. I don't know why she comes. And she's not even, like, taken aback by any of it. She's inside this, like, the in the inner workings of Doctor Who mythology, and yeah. she's just like, ah, oh, <laughs> a lot of wires in here. You know, it's, it's and then these, like, the five ghosts down. come out. Yeah. Yeah, these five ghosts come out, and she's like, thank you for your service. 
Oh, you live inside her now? Ah, that's I went through time, so this stuff doesn't fade. I, I lived. I've lived in this future for eight months, so I've seen pretty much everything. Adira also has a um, a clunky clunky reason at the end for going with Burnham, where she's like the the symbionts are a gift for everybody, and everyone goes yes. You go, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, well, why? That's the thing. Why does? I don't know. Why does she have to be fixed? I mean. Clearly, there's an element that's broken still, but like, it's like, okay, now she's fine. She's got the information. I'm just going to go hang out on the ship, I guess. I don't know. It, it, I don't I don't like it when they just switch these characters and fix them or change them so sharply and is never it, talk about it again. Is it strange that the two, it's strange that the, it's strange that the two non-gendered or transgendered characters and actors are trill in this i can kind of understand that if they well tech technically uh only one of them is a trill Wes, the other one is a human that's true a, a symbian symbian bearers i yeah. suppose would be the way yeah. to, to describe it um i i could see that being the case if there was a story here where the trill symbionts were taking more of a symbolic metaphorical approach to what it is. So Adira's character kind of makes sense as a non-binary character. Mm -hmm. If the confusion of her, if the, the sense that she doesn't belong the way, the, the way that she is was the metaphor for the trans and non-gendered struggle, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so the, the sort of confusion about and no one, no one, no one reacting to you the way that you feel that you are and things like that. It feels like the trill symbionts and their memories are baked into that concept. It feels like the mm. the especially if you're a human who's not prepared to be joined with a symbiont, it's a it's an identity struggle is the problem of that character where they are unsure where things start and where things end and how they're supposed to relate to the world at large. I don't. I think Discovery's trying to say that. But t- Discovery has trouble saying anything, really. So it's like instead it just comes across as a story about once you unclog your trill pipe in your brain and all the mm-hmm. memories come through, it basically <clears throat> it doesn't amount to anything at that point. And I, I don't know if they're going to pursue this. I just feel it was strange when the, the promotional material was so... Um, proud of the fact that the Star Trek had cast these, char- cast these actors and made these characters... But the show doesn't seem interested in it in terms of the show in any way. It's it's yeah. It's just on. It's it's superfluous, really. I don't think you, as far as we've seen over the course of these two episodes, if they were not played by non-binary actors, it doesn't change anything about it. Like the story isn't really sure. isn't going into that. So it's just a, it's just a choice that I wish Discovery would actually dig into a story. Why why not go into well, this? That one is a tough one because I feel like I think it depends on on how you feel about representation in that way as far as is it more is it more beneficial to cast that way and then I guess what I'm saying is is not bringing the attention to it ultimately the more normalizing way to handle it. You know what I mean? Where it's yes, like, but that's it's, contradicted by the fact that they hyped it. Yeah, well, promotional material is promotional material. But, like, I, I 
I don't know. Like I, 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 it depends on where you stand as far as like you know. Uh, well, couldn't you take the counter argument there, where they casting them both as Trill is doing that? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is interesting that they that they cast them both Trill. I mean, there's no reason that. Well, I guess they were part of it was that they were. They seem to be implying that they both found each other for that reason. I guess, but because I'd be um, totally with you if this was just. Random Star Trek character, Lieutenant, who is a mm-hmm. non-binary uh, gendered character. Mm-hmm. And they just approached it that way. And they, they were just like, yeah, this is just the way this character is. Like, eh, it's fine. Like, who yeah. cares? But they, they've well, made a conscious is... choice to have them both be trill carriers or the symbian characters. Yeah. So, And they also haven't, again, I, I, I don't know which way people would prefer they do this, but they also haven't even mentioned the fact that either one of them is non-binary they still right. refer to her as they refer to her and him so right and I the blue yeah, actor I, the, the actor named blue has said that this is going to change over the course of the season so mm-hmm. potentially i guess you could say that the, the symbionts can cause some kind of change at that point, you're going to run into a weird thing about it's not well, innate to the character. You know what I mean? Like, no, so- I, I mean, I could see it being, I could see it being that having the tr- having the symbiont and having that connection to so many other people ultimately makes um, the makes, character fluid. I, yeah, makes identifying as non-binary that much easier to do. Mm-hmm. Easier probably isn't isn't the right word to use, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, cause I was thinking like, yeah, it's interesting that both these non-binary characters are Trill. And as I was thinking, I was like, well, it feels like Trill are kind of th- non-binary to begin with. They're, De- they're fairly Dex, fluid. Dex was that way. Dex always yeah, talked Dex about what it was, was like way. to be yeah. as a man in past lives. Yeah. I mean, the only people who were, the, the people around Dax were a little bit more flummoxed by it, but Dax mm-hmm. was always pretty, totally cool with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's is it is it a is it just a more uh, modern literalization of the idea of the trill, which is that you are not really bound by that stuff to begin with because of I don't know. We'll see what they do with it. It's tough to yeah. say. I think it's I think it's tough to call that stuff because at this point, because they've done so little with the characters up to this point. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to look back at it and see what they what they ended up doing in that regard, if anything. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I have a hard time. Well, I think that it's perfectly reasonable and probably likely that they're going to do something with them mm-hmm. going forward. I uh, I have not gotten a sense of what needs to be done with them. Like I I don't. I'll have, I have a hard time picturing a storyline with these two where I go, oh, like that's how it's going to tie into something, like, or that's how it's it's going to build on top of something else. It feels just, um, it just feels very difficult to reconcile the future jump and all this stuff. And not, not that it really has to, but it's just I don't know where you go with these two after this point. And mm-hmm. if it turns I into honestly, something's wrong with the the symbi- like if it turns out that something's wrong with Gray and Gray isn't supposed to be there. I I find that less interesting than it's just a memory that you have of the person who's mm-hmm. kind of guiding you. I just and that feels like that story's over at that point. It's just blue or uh, Adira having to deal with that going forward. 
Yeah. Has, uh, is there a, there's a story. Yeah. The story where Dax has to split up her personalities. One of those personalities is like a serial killer, right? Yes. Yeah. Cause I was wondering that I was like, the trills seem also laid back. Is there, is there not, are there not trills who are, you know, have like three or four generations inside them that were killers or something? Yeah, they do. But yeah, it's, um, I think, uh, cause I mean, that's, that's, I always find that interesting. It's like, uh, the, the one darker element that keeps popping up, but that's neither here nor there. But, um, I think in a larger sense, I'm, f- how many episodes is this season? Uh, 12, 13, I think. Jeez, that's it. Damn. Because we're a quarter of the way through, and I'm still not even totally sure what the story of this season is. Other yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Find the Federation. Yeah. Um, Let me see here. There are 13 episodes. 13? Okay. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's the weird. Do you find that this season thus far is more episodic than serialized? Yes, probably even yeah. more so than season two was. Yeah. Because I, a lot of it comes down to the fact that the plot so far is very much a video game quest thing where go to this village, find this guy, and this guy tells you to you need to go to Mount Kilimanjaro to collect the golden feather, and then you get up there right, and you get that, right. and then you go down. And back. They're just kind of jumping around in search of the Federation, which you would think would give it a very episodic feel. But I think that they're... The way that they layer serialization on top of them trying to do more episodic storytelling is sloppy, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't give you a cohesive like oh this is what this season is supposed to be about or this is the this is probably the reason why I have a problem with the stress storyline because I don't think that they for that storyline to sell you either have to lower the stakes of their stress or you do this stress out thing in three episodes from now where you've spent seven episodes showing me why they're all stressed out about this and they haven't sure. done either of those things so it's not satisfying so i I've, I've been trying to think this episode in particular do you think this episode i guess the mo- i was going to say could you is it that different from the way they would handle had of handle it on like TNG? But I guess it's probably closer to like how they would handle something on Deep Space Nine, where it's a little bit more serialized. Do you think this story, as it stands, is similar to a, a Deep Space Nine episode? Because I'm 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 just trying to think of the way that they the story that they were trying to tell and the way that they did it. Because it feels like it's not. It just doesn't feel right because they spend so much time trying to get you to like laying it on so thick, trying to get you to care about this uh, lover that we were just being introduced to and um, all of the stuff with the the PTSD and whatnot and the sniping at each other. Maybe this maybe it's a weird question to ask, but like I'm trying to think if they did this episode at Deep Space Nine, would they have done the same thing regarding this lover side plot where they spend so much time giving you these flashbacks and stuff no what would they have done differently ds9 would have the trill would have what would they have done i mean the fundamentally the 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 problem there i think is the fact that you don't get to know enough of these characters to pair off against what they think that the sacrifice is going to be. So mm-hmm. the 
the symbian story it's hard to say i mean you can you can if you have any thoughts about it i just think that ds9 would have more effectively shown me the tragedy of the symbian handoff at the end mm. and to me what ds9 would not have done was after this memory has been opened up the adira character would not go huh i feel great yeah onward <laughs> it's yeah. the tragedy is that the dying and the symbiont being passed is more metaphorical and means more than just that person gets to live with you at that point. There's like a story to the symbionts are a way to connect with past lives or lovers or friends or whatever. And discovery undoes that by just making it a happy ending where a deer is now okay. And the whole trill planet is okay with everything that's happened. And Mm. I don't know what the moral of that story is. It's right. It's discovery treats it like therapy, which is that once you realize the problem and you say it, it no longer becomes a problem to you anymore. But the deeper storytelling is that it lasts and it means something to a character. It's not just curing them. It's about it meaning something to them. That's, that's ultimately what I think the problem is with this show so far is like an episode like this, you get to the end and I don't know what I'm supposed to have taken from this. You know, and, and yeah. we talk about that in Enterprise too, where they do they do episodes where it's like by the end, I go, I don't understand what I'm supposed to take from this. There's right. these decisions that were made that no one comments on that seem like they should be a big deal, but it's just there to be. It's it's just there like someone t- talking a story at you. It's not you're not taking anything away from it. It's like someone summarizing a story. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and it's I like because it's like it, it almost feels like, like if you think about this story with Adira, it's like it's like someone telling you the story, and just being like, "Oh my god, it was so sad." They were they were so in love, and then they died, and and then at the end of it, you're like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty sad." Right, like end what? of end of end <laughs> you're of waiting Fred, for the punchline. You're waiting for not the punchline, yeah. but you're waiting for the emotional. You're waiting for the crux of the story to be like. And like the the you know the the discovery version of that is it's so sad the person died, and then if someone was telling you the story and they're like oh but they actually found their uh they found this diary that they didn't know that this person had been keeping and they opened it and it was full of all these memories of times that this person mm-hmm. had written about the times that they had shared together, and that par- and you're like oh like what a nice you know that person is gone now at this point but mm-hmm. it's nice that this person found this sort of magical system to relive their past with them and mm. discovery doesn't treat it that way discovery just goes yeah well you know that was sad uh onwards and here's a new cast member to, <laughs> to add right. to the series credits and stuff and it's i just don't find it it's not affecting and if it's not affecting and it's not interestingly sci-fi-ish for me i don't know really what i'm supposed to pull mm. from that so you know i i know we're we're running pretty long here but um I'm really circling back to the religious religiosity of everything. I'm really fascinated by this. Like why, why have they swung so hard in that direction? I thought like last season was an anomaly because they were going for this angel metaphor. Yeah, angel Pike, metaphor. Pike, Pike, Pike is, is a man of faith, yeah. and Burnham is more of a practical whatever science. Remember when Pike said he was a man of faith in that one episode? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> can't wait till that. I can't wait till they uh, bring that up all the time on Strange New World. What's that? They're never going to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, why? What is it? Why do they keep swinging so far into this religious nature of stuff? You know, it's like uh, we were joking. Um, we had watched for Rotten Heart Picture Show. We had watched Wreck, and then we, you, you and I, had watched. Um, we, the three of us had watched The Platform, mm. which are both uh, Spanish movies. Yeah, and w- I was joking. I was like, "You can tell it's a Spanish movie because in the last like half an hour, it gets really Catholic." Mm-hmm. D- d- despite what the setup is, there's always like a big influx of Catholicism because it's so prevalent in the culture. Yeah, um, and it's it's just so weird. That in Star Trek, which is by and large a fairly agnostic at best yeah, secular. franchise, yeah. secular, I would say agnostic based on you know you get your uh, pa wraiths and your Bajoran gods sure, and sure. stuff like this. Nine credits. Well, yeah, the yes, the the cultures around it can have faith uh, or yeah. something, but it, it's largely more grounded in terms of the main characters, or it usually is certainly enough yeah. here and stuff like that. And then for some reason, when you get to Discovery, it's just like faith this and belief that and priests and orbs and shit. And it's I just don't understand angels, uh, revelations, signs from higher. I, it's, I just don't understand it. It's it's um, it doesn't fit for me with with what Star Trek generally is supposed to be. Yeah, I I just think it's I think it's a new writing generation. And I know people disagree with me and they're like there's a 37-year-old writer on this who's practically a baby boomer and so he therefore has he's canceled it all out. But well, even th- there though, it's like if you t- if you think about it as like a younger generation, they they say that the it's the at least America is more secular than it's ever been. But they, what, they, what they've done is that, in my opinion, the younger generations and these younger writers don't have an experience basis to attribute to things. So what they mm-hmm. do is they know that there are themes, that they are out there. They know that there, are, there, is, a, there is a sanctimonious moral judgment out there mm-hmm. that they know they're supposed to live up to. It's this whole anti-racism thing. It's this whole sort of like there is a right path and there's a wrong path, right? There's like you are either racist or you're anti-racist. The, the problem is they can't explain why that is the case. They can't mm-hmm. just, they know it has to be that way. They know that that's the right path. They know that things are the way they are. They know, like, look at this, the political Twitter election. So much of my feed is just, you're never going to convince the other side. They're just pure fucking evil. You can't, like, don't even bother talking to them. It's just, you're going to work out. The thing is that they they have a mindset that is unnuanced and not interrogative of what they think. And they aren't interested in why it takes things to think this way or what are the reasons or rational explanations. So when you do that, what you end up with is a very hollow version of faith. It is the mm. trappings of faith without even the deep belief system as to like why it betters you or anything like that or why you think it's important to feel this way or what religion brings to you. It's just the cloaks and the smoking pot thing that they wave around when they walk around and the names of stuff like that and it's all empty 
It's empty, empty, empty. And they think it means something and they think it's profound, but they can't justify why they feel that way. And mm. I think it's just I think it's just a poison in the culture at large at this point. And this show represents that by um constantly mentioning Starfleet and the Federation in the same breath that some people would mention God or Jesus Christ or Allah or things like that. Yeah. It's just this yeah. breathless, we need to find the path back to that. And once we do, everything will be better and it's all good. And it's not, mm. there's no questioning that path. There's no questioning of why we need to do this. There's no questioning where the Federation stands at this point, why anything like this would be interesting. Do we need the Federation? What's the Federation done for the past 1,000 years? DS9 tried to do stuff like that. Enterprise occasionally will try to say things like that. Discovery is just, it's not interested in in that kind of storytelling. It's too bad. It's its honestly kind of the most Roddenberry aspect of the show, don't you think? It is. Ro- yes, because Roddenberry, Roddenberry was a cult leader, yeah. basically. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, his, his pie-in-the-sky vision. It's... It's the the accol- It's written by the acolytes of Roddenberry, who he while he was dying, he couldn't quite get all of his thoughts out on paper, you know. <laughs> so they, they had to fill in the blanks with it, and I think they've done a bad job. They 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 like what he's saying, but they don't understand why he thought that way. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. Hi, Alex. Alex. Hi, Rick Berman. Uh, <laughs> I've got some thoughts about season three. <laughs> if you'd like to have a talk in my cigar room, that's right. <laughs> the you, suits the suits could be tighter alex <laughs> i'd love to see rick berman as a uh, executive producer on the an upcoming episode of of this i think that's really just like it's the yeah just to, to resum i think on, on on every side of this uh culture that we find ourselves in now i think it's people who like how politics has taken the politics has taken the place of religion in modern society mm-hmm. where sure. we no longer go to church in the numbers that we used to or go to synagogue or go to mosque or whatever we now had a, we had an empty space and we needed to fill it with something because we're tribal animals and we believe in the tribe and everything like that religion used to fill that mm-hmm. void now it's politics and politics has taken a religious tone where it is not about proving or showing why your side is correct it's about defeating sinners on the other side the the other side right. is evil the other side is never going to be doing anything good for you they are sin they're bad you have to get rid of them and that's mm-hmm. what discovery thinks about things and that's how discovery chooses to view its its worldview it's not nuanced in the way that some of the better star trek was it has nothing to say about character interactions or why characters get together or odo being a nazi security guard you know and things like that like and it's just it's just empty, and it's kind of outside of it being Star Trek. It's just terrible TV. I don't understand why. Mm. If I was not doing this podcast, this is just empty calorie garbage TV that I'm watching. Yeah, it has nothing yeah, to say I, to me. I don't. I don't get anything out of it, like creatively. <laughs> we don't. We don't even remember any of it. Each time yeah. a fact comes up, we're like, I can't believe I. We, I can't believe Culver died. That was crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. It's. It's. Uh, it, you know, I, I like I said, I think this is I, I as an episode of Discovery, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But was this your favorite episode about, of the season? If you can remember, would you would you say that you you were surprised by it or? Uh, um, I was surprised by it in that I thought it 
I thought it was the most I thought it was the most successful small episode they've done with just the crew. Yeah. Because at the at the best part about this season so far is that they don't they've been spending so much time with the crew, they have to kind of figure out stories to tell with them. And after two seasons of not doing that at all, it's a nice change of pace to actually spend time with the people on the ship. Mm-hmm. And even the Trill thing, the Trill thing felt more or less, it, it felt like a um, identifiable Star Trek story. Um, that being said, yeah, ultimately, I, I just, it feels like it's just empty calories because I don't know what I'm supposed to get at the, out of it at the end. Like if there's nothing about it that I'm going to go like, Oh, it had this really great part. You should check it out. Or, you know, it's just someone, someone telling a story at me instead of me engaging with a story. And then when it's over, I forget what happened. And then next week (laughs) they'll do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have to watch these episodes immediately before we talk about them. Otherwise I would not remember a, Damn <laughs> no and i um yeah i just i i apologize if people listen to the show and they get annoyed by uh my negativity towards this one but i just <laughs> this is like why stop now it's just a i don't i i get a visceral when i'm watching it i just get a visceral sense of um like this is a waste of time. I don't even feel that with Enterprise. With, with Enterprise, mm-hmm. I feel like there's some sort of. I, I don't know what the difference is because I wouldn't say that Enterprise is good TV either, or that Enterprise right. is something that's like well worth uh, doing. It's just that Discovery. I, I feel it feels like antagonistic towards me as I'm watching it, but we'll say. Uh, I, I doubt it's going to change. I have to take a long, hard look at the end of the season whether or not I, I continue talking about Discovery because it's like I don't know what this is. Die Trying is the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. All of our special rewards can be found at Patreon. Uh, you can get extra podcasts. You can get behind-the-scenes stuff. You get the polls to vote on. Uh, and as always, after I'm done clicking here because I was too silly to do this not before, you do uh, get a special shout-out if you are a captain tier supporter. Special thank you. For putting up with our or my discovery rants, go to Christian Pouch, Stark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Cal Barrett, Samuel Custer, Nick Sergey, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Ruben Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Sherlock, Grim Santo, Poindexter G, Dwayne Hackett, Eric, Paul Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Nick Lorette, Darth Moss, HS28, Matt Curve 6, Jacob123, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric St. John, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Zane Majors, and Soylent Blue. Thank you very much. Let us know what you guys thought about uh, this episode of Discovery, which is called Forget Me Not. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, no, we have a Brought and Hard Picture Show coming out next week. We are doing, I actually believe Wreck is next week. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good one. I like uh, Wreck. Yeah, I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. Um, and we, we get into a little bit why that is. It's your first I, found I footage movie on the show. It's right? our first our first found footage movie, our first Four, nope, that's not true. We did uh, Girl Walks Home a lot at night. It's 
our first foreign language film. Um, first Spanish film. First Spanish, yeah. I think I do actually say in the show it's our first foreign language, but I don't remember this stuff. I just, <laughs> I, you know, I, I like I like to get the clicks based on firsts, you know? Right. It's like, well, this is the first one. Then It's like numbering uh, the issues of a comic book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I had it's a like theory when about... All, when wh- all, those, uh, all those news reports before Discovery came out said Michael Burnham is the first black lead and everyone posted yeah. a picture of Cisco yes. doing the face ball thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, uh, I have a, I had a theory about why Rec didn't click with me, and it had a lot to do with the current um, global COVID. health crisis we are in. <laughs> so uh, check that out, and then uh, the following week we'll have uh, the badass that we didn't get to this week will yep. be will be out. Yeah, Rec is a uh, virus causes a zombie lost footage or found footage. Mm. So yeah, what do you what do you a quick what do you stand on found footage? Um, I like it when it's done well. I think it, it became, it's, it's the most, we talk about this a bit in the show too. Um, it is the, uh, most revolutionary film change that I have lived through, uh, because it basically took over genre filmmaking for 10 years, if not a little bit more. Um, even if, even if it wasn't found footage, the idea of like the more, uh, documentary style shaky cam thing was was everywhere clover i mean um, cloverfield is found footage right and that's, yeah cloverfield yeah. paranormal activity blair witch project um i have a theory we talk a little bit about how um the rise in found footage stuff seems to align pretty well with 9-11 happening which makes sense um yeah i think when it's done well it can be it can be really well done but i think the ones where it's it feels more like a contrivance it's it's tougher to get into and the ones if they shake the camera too much i just want to vomit so <laughs> badass and uh run horror can be found at the penskefile.com penskepodcast.com is where the star trek show can be found and everything is on youtube and i guess that's it we're done with this enterprise continues discovery continues unfortunately and uh, we'll see where Discovery <laughs> goes as this season moves along. Enterprise, we're moving into the second half of season two. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you later. Later.